Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a chat with another pet professional about how they've used their expertise to manage their relationships between their own pets and their experience with other animals in their profession. Our guest today is Beth Brown, who is a CCBC, CPDT KSA, and CCUI. And she started her career with a shelter behavior volunteer program and then joined the staff. And she enjoys working with shy and fearful animals, dogs or cats, and especially loves teaching cats and small dogs to be confident. She and I have that in common. Her biggest pet peeve, and yes, pun intended, is when people just assume that it's normal for a cat to be an asshole. So we are definitely going to talk about that because my cat is a perfect angel. (laughs) And her mission in life is to bring equality to the pet world where dogs get training and behavior considerations are par for the course. And she thinks it's time for cats, horses, birds, and exotics to get the same. So hi, Beth. I am so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I think we're going to have a lot of fun and have a slightly different take on everything than some previous episodes, which is awesome. Um, So before we dive into stories about your pets and also the pets that you've trained um, in your career, I like to do a quick icebreaker with everyone seems to like, (laughs) which is two truths and a lie, where we want to get to know you as a human a little bit. And um, I will probably be shit at this because (laughs) I'm I'm really, you know, not so great. Um, (laughs) My record is not wonderful, but here we are. So hit me with your two truths and a lie. Okay. So my two truths and a lie are, I have clicker trained a chicken. I have clicker trained a dolphin. And I have clicker trained a goat. Everyone is getting so clever with the every episode. Getting getting harder. All right. So chicken, dolphin, goat. I okay, chicken camp is a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's possible. In fact, probable that you have (laughs) a chicken camp. Uh lots of dog trainers do marine work. Goats are awesome. <laughs> um, those like vertical slit eyes. It's, ugh, I love it. Yeah. There's a goat um, project actually in Philly where I live, where that um, is really cool. They, so cool. We, we could talk about that at a time. <laughs> the Philly goat project. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with goats just because we're talking about goats, that that's the lie. It is not. The dolphin is the lie. Oh, I'm the worst at this. Okay. <laughs> so when did you, um, so I'm assuming you went to chicken camp. That's what you're I did. About. I mean, I did virtual chicken camp. So strictly BYOC, um, but still super, <laughs> super fun. Um, my chicken might've gone a little crazy afterwards and then had to be rehomed. But I maintain that that was not my color discrimination training. Um, it, maybe it was, I don't know. Um, And then the goat, so there's, I actually was just out at this farm this afternoon, clicker training horses. 
um, with the veterinary behaviorist in our city. Um, and there are goats there as well. So we were like, let's go click or train some goats. Why not? They're here and they probably want food. So almost definitely. If you yeah. like, I probably could have done better with that one. Cause like, I had no idea what I was training and that's like the number one goal of, or rule of training, right. Is have a, have a goal in mind, have a plan. Um, and my plan was just goat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? one thing that I've noticed when working with multiple species is, especially if you don't know kind of the behavioral repertoire of the species going yeah. in saying, okay, I want to train something is hard. Um, and so a lot of people, we can get a little nerdy here. We'll try to do like a, an ethogram of the animals, really just like making a list of all the behaviors that they are seeing the animal do. Um, and then using those as like the foundation of a shaving plan or whatever. So it makes sense, right? You go in, you're like, I'm going to train something. <laughs> and, I know. You just and then unfortunately, someone handed me a targeting stick and I was like, oh, okay, this I know I can do. Yeah, this I know. Um, yeah, you have to like look at stuff and touch stuff <laughs> with their noses. That's a thing. Yeah. I mean, so many people come to me and they say, I've trained my dog before. Oh my God, you can train a cat. Right. Yeah. The answer is yes. And very much yes. But then they kind of just start leaping into treating the cat like a dog, which in some, I mean, learning theory is learning theory, right? Like very true. There are some universals um, with that, but understanding the, motivations and typical behaviors of a different species takes a little bit more time and yeah nuance. so talk to me a little bit about your ideas about cats in particular and the misconceptions about cats um and working with them in terms of behavior yeah i mean i feel like especially at the shelter so we were a no-kill shelter um I, they still are i just am no longer there um, <laughs> But, you know, you tend to accumulate some animals that have issues. Mm -hmm. um, and for dogs, it was always, okay, we need to do behavior modification. We need to, like, this biting dog cannot continue biting um, or whatever. But for cats, it was always, no, it's a cat. The mm. Cats do cat things. Like, they're going to bite you. They're going to scratch you. That's what they do. But like, is it like, that's not a well-adjusted cat. If it's biting and scratching you all the time, that's, those are distance increase in behaviors. That's communication. Yeah. Um, and communication that, you know, tends to signify like more subtle communication prior to that was not listened to. So, right. you know, people would just blow off the cats at the shelter and just be like, oh, whatever they hide, they, you know, pee in their bed. They didn't like, they do all these maladaptive things mm -hmm. and no one was thinking of it as maladaptive other than, you know, the behavior team. Um, and not even all of us at that because a lot of the behavior team only work with dogs. Um, so it was really just my goal to like, Hey, maybe that cat that bit someone, maybe he's not an asshole. Maybe his needs aren't getting met. Maybe, you know, no one knows how to communicate with him. And he's trying so hard to communicate with us, like so hard. Yeah. It's not his fault that we're all too dense to realize it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was really 
kind of my foray into cat training was maybe we can get these cats a little a little attention at the shelter too like they deserve enrichment they deserve communication that they can understand they deserve people who can work with them mm-hmm. and actually listen to them um oh don't eat that honey <laughs> okay off we go um so that was really how I got into it and I just have never looked back because like how many times do you get a call from a potential client who is just like oh yeah my cat ha- he's under the bed all day but like that's normal like is it I know they're prey animals but that's that's extreme for even a prey animal yeah um, yeah especially if it was a major change from how they were before yeah do you feel like when you put a lot of effort into working with the cats in the shelter environment, did you run into some pushback when you were working with adopters to try to like advise them about how to continue this type of enrichment and just general communication, learning about body language, all of that stuff when the cats went home? Yeah, definitely. Especially those cats that like came in as semi-feral or just unsocialized. Um, or fully feral. I mean, we worked with anything. (laughs) Um, But like we have, so at the shelter, we have a program called the Frady Cat Program. And that's for those unsocialized cats. They tend to be really pushy about wanting attention after you socialize them. Because, you know, the people who work with them at the shelter, they play the game by the rules that those cats like. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be very outgoing towards those people. We tend to... um, Like if we introduce them to a stranger, it's in a very specific way Mm -hmm. so that the stranger can actually meet them and not just have a cat, you know, they see the tail as it's whipping under a piece of furniture. Mm -hmm. Um, So they get this impression of this cat that's really outgoing and friendly at the shelter. Mm. And then, you know, you're coaching them to bring that cat home like, okay, this cat is probably going to hide for three days and not like want to eat or use the bathroom totally normal leave them alone keep them in a small space so that they can adapt slowly and they're not overwhelmed and like I don't even know how often but like so often you would hear from that adopter a day later and just be like this isn't the cat I met I don't like this like also I can't trap the cat to bring it back um because it's hiding and hissing at me every time I come near and we would just be like, I mean, we tried, we tried to coach you. Right. You didn't, you're, you're looking at the cute purring cat and not listening to its needs. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the amount of information that a person needs to know when they bring home an animal Mm-hmm. And the amount of information that a person can actually digest yeah. in that amount of time are completely not even in the same like realm <laughs> of yeah. not in, like orders of magnitude, right? I mean, like we've studied this stuff for years and we're still learning. Mm-hmm. And so to be like, hey, random person off the street who wants a cute cat, right? Like, here's a cute cat. Let's learn all the things you need to learn. Like, even if we think it's so basic, um, there's so much that goes into their expectations and all that. But especially, like, I'm just thinking, like, 
whenever when you get an animal and you're like goats like it's so cute right like you're thinking the same thing with this cat yeah and so you could be like telling them that they've won a million dollars and they really won't be able to focus as much because they exactly. have a horrible cat that's like oh yay it's coming home with me right um one of the things that i always wonder about is like how can we adjust the educational system about animals like whether uh, i mean literally in schools but also bless you bless you dog whichever oh, dog that was <laughs> that was fun sound to hear from the corner of the room um you know that counseling time and like past the adoption normalizing that they have to check in with you as yeah. a professional and not just be like oh this isn't what i wanted i give up mm -hmm. <laughs> do you have any ideas for how we could kind of like drip feed them that kind of information or at least can you stop eating plastic maybe <laughs> which dog is that that's senua Senua is making. She's, she's our pandemic puppy, and she is. She's so special. <laughs> special. Um, but I mean, I feel like so we as a society have been kind of conditioned to think of cats as low maintenance animals. Mm. The animals that, like, oh, if you travel every other weekend, you can just leave them home, and it doesn't matter. Um, and like they're great for apartments because they don't need much space and they don't need much attention. And like we as professionals know that that is not the case. Cats are actually very social. They're very trainable. They're like, they need interaction with their people every day. But as a society, we've kind of been like, no, cats are just, they're, they're whatever. Dogs need attention. Cats, you can just kind of, they're there when you want them. And then you can ignore them the other times. Or... They're there if you want them, but when you want them and they're not there, then they're dicks. Yes. Asshole. Right? Like, the, yes. <laughs> it's like, it, it behooves me now to give you attention. And they say, I'm taking a nap, F you, <laughs> and then hiss at you. Yeah. Then, you know, and how then dare you bite me for picking you up out of your bed when you're right. sleeping contentedly? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it was a dog, people would have been like, oh, you know what? That was my bad. I get it. I shouldn't have touched a sleeping dog, but like cats, it's just like, why would you dare bite me? Um, and also at the same time, eh, cats bite, whatever. Maybe <laughs> yeah, go to urgent care though. Cause like cat bites are no joke. Oh yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> definitely a safety issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that really of like the expectations of what having a cat should be like versus the expectations that cats are actually not that fun to have anyway. <laughs> so like, where do cats win? Like only if they're like dogs. Yeah. Quote unquote, like dogs. Exactly. Right? But even then people treat them like dogs, which to some extent is fine. Like, mm -hmm. great. Train your cat to do cute tricks, but like, there's still cats that are going to do cat things. Right. So maybe don't be surprised when like, you know, your cat isn't necessarily not food motivated. Maybe they just don't like you holding the treat to their mouth, like mm -hmm. put it on the floor and they'll eat it right up. Mm -hmm. um, so I, like, I can't, I think 
90% of my cat clients are like, oh, they're not food motivated. And I'm like, well, they're still alive. (laughs) Pretty sure they are somewhat food motivated. We just need to try the right thing and in the right way. Yeah. And at the right time. So. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times that I've said, um, you know, I ask my clients, I have a pretty intense intake form because I'm asking about at least two animals. <laughs> um, I need a lot of information and then how they interact with each other. Um, and one of them is just, you know, like, what's their routine? When do they eat? And all that stuff. Um, I usually hear the cat and dog eat at 7.30 and 7.30 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's two meals a day for the cat. Yeah. Um, and I say, okay, immediately we are going to switch that to four <laughs> meals a day. <laughs> Same amount of food switching. <laughs> um, you will see a huge difference just with that in terms of food motivation. Yeah. Um, like cats do not eat like dogs. They don't snarf. <laughs> typically um they have small meals throughout the day um and you can kind of motivate them to eat too like if you have a quick play session before a training session that mm-hmm. tend to tends to get them a little more motivated to eat because that's they're hunting yeah now they're eating yeah exactly um, so i mean the the order of how you do things is really important for cats whereas a dog like i can hold a french fry out to my dog at any time of the day and they'll be like yes, please. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, what do you, what do you want me to do for it? Like I'll do all the things for it. Um, where's the cat? Dog. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to plan that a little better for a cat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder how it, we, as people who train multiple species, um, can, go deeper into the differences between the animals and really try to help people see in their own, (laughs) in their own pets, like what activities can we do? Um, I have them like literally observe their animals for a couple of days and write stuff down. But um, do you have certain aspects of body language that you find are like the most simple for people to see um the difference between dogs and cats but also just like you know they don't have to be like looking at the subtle change in pupil size or whatever Um, (laughs) you know is it ears is it tail like general posture like do you have anything that you counsel people i mean for dogs i feel like i tend to point out facial expressions more like lip licking, yawning, open mouth versus closed mouth, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Whale eye, like all having to do with the expression of their face. Mm -hmm. Cats, I tend to, I don't want to say dumb it down because it's definitely not dumbing down, but um, I feel like people notice their cat's ears and tail more than anything else because they're they're kind of the bits that stick up and like (laughs) just... Right. And cats are liquid. It's easy to notice when those bits are not sticking up. Right. Um, so, like, if I tell someone, like, if I ask someone if their cat's, you know, whiskers were flared, they're probably going to be like, I don't <laughs> they What were, does that even mean? They were on their face. <laughs> yeah. 
Whereas if I ask if the ears were upright or flat, mm-hmm. they can tell me right away. Right. Um, so those tend to be the go-tos and those are like guaranteed. If you, where did you, did you just bring me a sock? I guess that's nice. It is I, I have a cat who is currently peeing in front of me in his oh. box. So this is hey, in the litter box. Yeah. Well, it is in the litter box. Yes. Every, everyone we have not had, we don't have litter box issues so far in my house. So yay. Yay. <laughs> He's getting older. I anticipate he might, you know, forget some things. But, um, yeah, tails, swishy versus not swishy. Yeah. Um, and, like, people can, t- like, most people tend to associate swishy tails with, ooh, danger. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm not going to, like, does it always mean danger? No. But I'm not going to tell you that necessarily. Because, like, if you have a tail swishing cat... Maybe don't touch it. Right. No matter what the valence of the arousal is, yeah. that cat, you know, just like let them do their thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm okay with letting people think that that means pissed off cat. Like, sure, let's, that's a myth I can stomach. We can go with that. I like that. I, I struggle a lot with, you know, the, the fact that the, the easier stuff to see is the stuff that's higher that comes later yeah, on the ladder of aggression, um, if we want to use that model. Um, but kind of by definition, right? <laughs> like the easier right. it is to see, the, the louder it is. Yeah, um, exactly. But when we're trying to do behavior modification and actually have the animals like learn to live together in harmony, and we're trying to teach them to notice more subtle signs mm-hmm. of stress and how to react appropriately to those. Um, that's where I feel like if the humans can't see it to then cue appropriate behaviors, how can we expect our animals to yeah. learn appropriately? So yeah, I <laughs> tell me if, tell me if this is, you know, not how you would do it. I I'm, I kind of shape it a little bit mm-hmm. um, where I'm like, okay, we're going to start with what I call the big behaviors. Like the, what you can't miss it. Right. <laughs> like spitting, hissing. <laughs> exactly. You notice those like, right. Write that okay, down. We're on a great, we're starting. We have a starting point. We can use that. <laughs> exactly. Like let's take a little, let's, let's, when is that happening? Let's try to make those <laughs> down to zero. Right. But then, you know, as you move forward, we say, okay, those we are hopefully not seeing as much of, but what are you seeing before those things happen? Mm-hmm. Um, some people are so good at it. Like as soon as you, uh-oh, something happening. Well, it was a sock. Oh, RIP sock. It's okay. We live in Houston. We don't need socks that much. <laughs> Everyone, trainers, animals are not perfect. <laughs> you stretch the imagination. It's the cobblers whose kids run barefoot. Um, speaking of don't need socks in Houston. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you, you work with private clients as well? Like you don't work with the mm-hmm. shelter anymore? No. So, I mean, occasionally I'll take a, 
like I'll volunteer to do a consult for them, but mostly it's private clients these days. Yeah. So when, what are the types of people that you really appreciate the ones that kind of are proactive um, Mm -hmm. that come to you? How often do you see that? Um, for dog people, I feel like that's becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, for cat people, few and far between. Like, which, I mean, okay, let's just be honest here. I kind of love doing cat behavior consulting because the bar is so low. It's so low. Like, if I have a dog client, they want the dog to heal. They want the dog to sit. They want the dog to stay. They want... Like they have this whole list of things that they want the dog to do. Like people are coming to the door. I want the dog to stay still here and not bark. And with cats, it's like, can we just get them to pee in the box again? Great. (laughs) Can can they just not bite each other? Great. Um, So the bar is really, really low. Yeah. Which appeals to the lazy side of me. Um, So I'll take it. Um. But like a lot of the times with cat people, I'll be like, okay, so what was happening around the time when, you know, this altercation happened? Can you describe their body language? And they're just like, well, the cats just started fighting. And then we got, you know, we got the spray bottles out and then they weren't fighting. And I'm like, oh, okay, we can start there. Mm -hmm. You know what led to the fighting? And, like, they don't pay attention to the details as much. Um, but, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, maybe we're starting to see a shift. I had a new client this morning who not only gave me pictures of their cat trees, but a floor plan of their apartment with all the resources marked out on it. Um, pictures of the cats, like, their food bowls, all the, and I was just like, oh, Oh, I will keep you. Loves you. Like this. We as trainers love information. I I tell my I have clients who are like, sorry for spamming you. I'm like, spam away. I'll tell you if it's more. Right. Like the worst that happens is that's more information than I need and I just have to sift through it. Um, yeah. it's definitely better to have more information than less. Um but I feel like, you know, the bar being so low also causes a lot of people to wait way too long. And like the cat's already like halfway out the door before they're like, this is the last ditch resort. Like, you know, oh, I didn't know you could train a cat. Oh, there's a person online. I found them. They said that they can train it. Like, you know, because there isn't expectations that are appropriate, (laughs) um, you know, oh, the cat's been peeing in my house for two years. Yeah, the the cat bites me daily and has been for nine years, but now we have a baby on the way and it's coming in two months. Like, right. Two months is not a lot of long time to break that that history of biting. That's, yeah. that's a very long history there. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with cats, you don't see them for behavior consults until it's like, well, this is our last option. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't work, we're rehoming, we're euthanizing, we're whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. So that's like, I would love more proactive. Like we just adopted a cat. 
how do we set it up for success like you get with dogs? Yeah, I think I've been pretty lucky in kind of my specialty of cats and dogs is like when people have an animal in the house already, they tend to at least be thinking about those initial first days of introduction. Like, I don't think that they, I mean, some of them don't, but (laughs) usually there's, you know, this thought of like, we're going to have to introduce them yeah, in some way. Um, They don't usually have appropriate expectations for how long that might take um, or what it really is supposed to entail. But at the very least, it's like, okay, I need to, I need to think of something, (laughs) something needs to happen. Oh, I'm just going to put the cat in the bathroom. Okay. That's, you know, but it's something. Um, Yeah. At least to start. Exactly. I'm so I'm spoiled in that way, but I definitely, you know, the idea of a cat as a starter pet um, comes in a lot. I have a lot of people who have had cats for a while and then they get a dog and they're like, Oh my gosh, this dog needs so much. And I say, you know, the cat needs so much too. And they're like, what? Yeah. Amazing. Um, and then like, as soon as you like bring cat enrichment into it, it just, it just, it just blows the whole situation completely out of the water. Like, it's just, it's magical for them. They love their cat again. I mean, it's just really, it's awesome. Um, it's really impressive how often like just that alone smooths over so much and makes it so you don't have to necessarily go on to like training I would love to click or train absolutely every cat in America, but you know, we, we got to start somewhere. Starting with enrichment seems at least good for the cat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, and it's not only that you can't like that you, it, you can do a lot with, you know, management and enrichment. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't do anything else until you have that on board. Yeah. Um, so like it could, that could be the end. Like <laughs> My programs are ske- like, it's like, it's the management and enrichment part. And then you can continue after that. Yeah. If you want. Um, but like, this is the prereq um, or else, you know, like you could, you could teach a lot of things not going to be helpful if yeah. <laughs> they're not getting their needs met or they're rehearsing crazy things all the time. Um, they're stressed constantly. So. Exactly. Like, I mean, we took, this is, a feline agility ribbon on my wall behind me. We did that with a shelter cat who needed a lot of enrichment. Like he was, he was a teenage boy. So mm. that explains a lot right there. <laughs> um, but like there happened to be a cat show coming up and we were like, well, why don't we take him? Like what's the training for this would be, you know, one-on-one enrichment time that he wouldn't get otherwise. And it'll help him maybe not bite people when they try and like clean his kennel. So let's do it. And it turns out he was an all-star. He got first place. So um, love training, love extrinsic reinforcement for both you and the cat. Yeah. <laughs> so did you find that working towards this goal helped him in terms of his, you know, day to day, life and behavior modification it did it would not Um, probably be the be all end all (laughs) no but what it did do is like people saw him have success Mm. with the the agility and so they started going out of their way to like okay let's give him more puzzles let's give him more 
playtime. Let's give him so like a really nice byproduct of this. Like, yes, we got a cool ribbon. It's amazing. Um, but the better outcome of that was the people in the shelter that like care for animals mm. went out of their way more to like make sure this one got a little more because when he was training, he was not nearly as dickish as, you know, when that was suddenly done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a nice byproduct. And then he got adopted and, you know, no one had to see him again. So that also worked. <laughs> you know. Do we know how he's doing in his home? Um, I haven't heard from them, but I mean, he certainly hasn't been returned. Hey, no news is good news. So, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure he's loving having the extra space to be able to run around. Yeah. So that is, it's so hard. I mean, so many people, you know, have, I've talked about this before on the podcast of like cat testing and shelters and stuff like that. Right. I mean, yes, there are many things to say about cat, (laughs) about cat testing at shelters, Um, but, or dog testing or any testing. Let's test. Really? Let's just stop. I mean, even though like, the dog evaluations where you have like the fake hand or you're like, where you're like specifically trying to piss off a dog. Right. Like let's do away with that too. Cause that's not realistic. Yeah. I mean, if we had the, the, I would say the, the leisure time to observe a dog in their natural quote unquote natural habitat, and Mm -hmm. showing, you know, after decompressing. I mean, but that's why fosters are so important. Um, Literally life-saving. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that the best information you could get is from a foster that has a similar home situation to whichever adopter is interested in an animal, but even that's not diagnostic. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so many people go into this, you know, saying, okay, well, you know, the dog did this in the shelter or the cat acted like this in the shelter. Um, And then they tell stories to themselves about um, the animal's previous life and all that stuff. And I think that that goes stop inventing stories for animals. I, I get it. Because humans, A, love a story. Mm -hmm. B, it helps people to at least feel like they understand this animal Mm -hmm. that they're bringing in. Like, it's not just like, I don't know shit about you. (laughs) I'm bringing you into my house forever. Um, But yeah, it can be super harmful, um, especially when we're trying to teach. If they seek stuff uh information from us and we're like can you look at this objectively and they're like no because i have a story in my head um and this is not something specific about them this is like this is what human brains do like i studied cognitive science in college like i'm like we love a theory um and And labels we love labels labels we love fitting everything into the boxes that we already have in our minds um and that goes back to like the stories we tell about cats, right? Like cats mm-hmm. are this, um, dog yeah. are this. Hissing is bad. And like, that's something I try and tell all my clients. Like hissing is not bad. Hissing is communication. It might be yelling and maybe we want to have like 
a more logical face-to-face conversation instead of just, you know, yelling across the room at each other. Mm-hmm. But like, it's still communication. His, like, I'm not mad at a cat that hisses at another cat. I'm actually pretty excited that they didn't just run after that cat and like savage it. So right. yeah, don't punish, don't punish the growl. Don't punish the hiss. Yeah. All of that, that is really, really good. It, just the label, good cat, bad cat. Mm-hmm. Good dog, bad dog, um, makes me have like I feel like I'm gonna break out in hives. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so much nuance that is missing. Um, yeah, like I think that's a reason why I, I gravitate towards um, control unleashed exercises so much. Mm-hmm. Is because it's easier to be like, hey, they're not doing bad. They're not failing at doing this if they're not you know if you're doing super bowls for example and the dog isn't doing the super bowls activity that's not them being bad or not doing the it's them communicating so this just means you need to change something so let's change it and then they'll do it so yeah like that's why i really like those those pattern games because it's it's not about doing the pattern it's about can they do the pattern and if not why yeah and because it's so far outside of like traditional obedience work it takes people into a different realm of being able to actually pay attention to the new information that you're trying to teach them through that lens Mm -hmm. Um, i mean we could teach the same stuff with sit right if your dog doesn't sit in this situation when if they can sit in the house why and you know a lot of that could translate um but again there's like this framework that they have like this dog needs to sit because i asked them to sit Um, yeah but there's no previous conceptions about oh can this dog eat this food off of this random (laughs) thing on the ground um Cats love Super Bowls too, guys, by the way. I love using Super Bowls to like introduce the cat to their new space. Like, love it. Leslie McDevitt, you're a genius. I love you. Yay, Leslie. Um, <laughs> you know, she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I, I did know that. I haven't, I, haven't Yay. I haven't heard her episode yet, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it's... Hold on, my dog is digging in my rug for some reason. <laughs> Do you hear that? I do. You're really going for it, dude. What's going on? What do you need? <laughs> You're just, are you going to do your, your, oh, shake it out. Good job. <laughs> oh, life is hard. He's yawning. He's licking his lips. Ugh. Ugh. What is happening? Hard life being a dog. It is really hard. Oh, oh, and he lays down. Excellent. <laughs> See, even that, it's a conversation. Right. Those aren't bad behaviors. They're not good <laughs> behaviors. It's just, it's got to do his thing. Exactly. I'm glad yeah. everyone heard that, right? Um, <laughs> he probably does need something, right? Um, I am currently recording a podcast. And <laughs> so hopefully whatever he needs, um, I will figure that out after Beth and I are finished <laughs> talking. Um, my favorite is that he, he digs in my bathtub when he has to poop. Oh, 
it's a really great signal. Um, can't ignore it. Definitely can't ignore it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, Do you need to yeah. here? So we're having conversations with our animals all the time. We are not talking yeah. about them. Um, I think there's a huge, big difference between how you and I might train and how other people might train and how a lot of people mm -hmm. go into training um, with that mindset. Yeah. And that's where we kind of have to start, right? Like when someone brings an animal into their home and their expectation is that that animal is going to be a family member mm -hmm. and they have, and they really want that. Right. But then there's this disconnect with how they're going to address that, per that animal's behavior. Um, I feel like that can make people's stress even more pronounced, even though they don't know why. Yeah. They're like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting stuff from this animal. Um, mm -hmm. They're not doing it. That is stressful in and of itself, but also like, I'm, I love this animal. I don't, yeah. be, I don't want to have to treat them differently than anyone, any other being that I love. And then you get that, like, on some level, they see that this animal isn't thriving and then they internalize that guilt. Oh, guilt. And, like, if I could do one thing for absolutely all of my clients, it would be to release them from that guilt. Because I feel like that would make them more open to having the conversations that they need to have with their animals. Yeah. Um, which turns out to be the perfect mindset to start training with cats because mm -hmm. it's not about obedience and like you do what I say when I say it's about learning to see you know what their needs are and that you meet them um because it turns out if you meet a cat's needs they tend to be a lot better adjusted and they stop you know biting and peeing on the bed and they like you and they seek you out more yeah the number of times that I've had someone say can you make my cat more cuddly <laughs> I'm like well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, I can teach you how to. Right. Where are we starting from? Who's that? <laughs> right. What, what's, what's good? There's a lot of variables here, but um, I mean, there are cats that have, it seems like they've had personality like replacements when mm -hmm. you start meeting their needs. Um, and my my favorite story actually is um so my cat rio he this is unrelated to management and enrichment um when i adopted him um he was in like a, a kind of an open area shelter like they had cages but he was just around mm -hmm. um and so i put my bag down to try to like meet some cats and he just jumped into my purse <laughs> and i was like okay great this is my cat obviously um <laughs> great i don't have to decide it shows <laughs> that was that was easy everyone else was sleeping he was like i'm ready to go um but then the shelter workers were saying he never wants to be picked up he's a total dick right like you know very aloof has some you know he's in, he engages with you but is like doesn't want to be picked up at all mm -hmm. and i was like okay that's fine like i don't need to manhandle my cat you know he'll 
he and I will get along totally fine. They had vetted him theoretically when he came in. <laughs> and so a year later, when I took him for his wellness, the vet was like, he, he, half of his teeth are rotten. We need to take wow. out 11 teeth. Oh my God. And I was, so like, I was like, hells yeah, you do. Like poor guy. Yeah. The, he comes out of surgery and he is the snuggliest motherfucker. Like, right? Like, and this was like super early in my behavior career. Like I knew nothing. Um, they told me what he was like. He lived up to that. I loved him. He was perfect the way he was. I wasn't trying to like make him anything, right? <laughs> Which other people might have. They might've been like, yeah. oh, whatever. Um, but then, you know, this magical thing happened in, you know, in his world, his, his whole body felt completely better. And he was just waiting to be snuggly the whole time. Oh, yeah, it doesn't hurt to snuggle. I want more of that now, please. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't, it does not hurt. Um, so, but the same kinds of things can happen when you work behaviorally. It's not just like a medical miracle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when, when a cat, I'm trying to think if like, when a person, um, most recently, I'm trying to think of like, started exercising their quote unquote non-food motivated cat um, with a wand toy around the environment. So up and down on furniture, added some trees where there were none, all of the kind of typical stuff we recommend with yeah. cats, but added in this kind of training slash exercise component that like they were doing a job together. It wasn't just like, here's your new purchase, go. Mm -hmm. The cat started coming up to the person and like doing the, the face nuzzle thing because they had a thing to do with each other. Now it was, yeah. we have a, we have a relationship before we were just roommates. Um, so do you have a favorite story like that? I know I'm putting you on the spot to think of something Ooh, that, so I do. So like one of my really good friends adopted, um, for lack of a better term, like, I mean, we know this is not true, but like she, she adopted a dick of a cat, um, from the shelter. Um, like he had bitten multiple employees when they were trying to like, you know, move him to clean his kennel or like, you know, whatever, if he was having some four on the floor time out in the back and someone went to like, like move too fast past him, he would, you know, swipe them. Um, so she adopted this cat and brought him home to her standard poodle. Ooh, um, this is coming full circle. Yeah. Um, and so she she has this poodle who's still young. I think she's maybe two at this point. Um, but like one and a half at the time. And she was like, I just, I really want them to like, I don't need them to be friends. I don't need them to like interact. I just need them to be able to not kill each other. Um, but it was really amazing how like, okay, first of all, this cat got space mm -hmm. to be able to move around. So he was able to like get enrichment and exercise and stuff. Um, she made sure like really sure to catify her apartment before bringing him home. Mm -hmm. So like, 
anywhere that the dog was going to be, she made sure there were multiple perches up high and pathways mm-hmm. check, check, around check, them so like the cat could get from, you know, point A to point B with now, you know, the cat can play floor is lava all he mm-hmm. wants in that apartment and never lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was really just hands off with him. Like, Hey, we can do some targeting training. We can do some like, you know, just walk around the space training to help build your confidence. But like, I don't need to touch you. Mm-hmm. That's fine. This cat, I kid you not, is the snuggliest cat. Mm-hmm. Like I went and pet sat for her. And I mean, I had worked with the cat, but not a lot. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't, she finds trash every time we come in here and I don't know where it comes from. Um, oh, it's a full on Coke bottle. Okay. Have fun. Um, <laughs> But like this cat, once he wasn't having attention forced on him, mm. like he wasn't having to go through that daily, like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna like move you around this little three by three foot cage and you have to be okay with us moving you when we need you because we need to like change all the stuff. He just, he opened up and he blossomed and he was like, oh, well now that I can choose it, I do choose it. Like I do actually want to be, and he like... I was sitting on my laptop one day and he just like curled up in my arms and I was like, do I pet you? Like, I don't <laughs> want at this point, but you're real cute. So I'm going to allow it. Um, Like she can hold him like a baby now. And he's just like, cool. I'm here for it because he knows that if he struggles, she will put him down Yeah, and respect his autonomy. And that like getting that kind of respect just, changes a cat's personality and a dog's yeah totally having (sighs) you (laughs) when you're forced to do something even if you wanted to do that thing you're gonna Mm -hmm. say no (laughs) yeah especially if you have a brain like a young child yeah Um, yeah i funny story about my kid this is this will be one of the last <laughs> the last things we talked about um i she was losing it i was like let's go get some lunch and i offer her chipotle not sponsored um <laughs> it's her favorite her favorite thing and she was like no <laughs> i waited she goes actually yes <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's just that instinct to say, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if Whatever I had, you're going to say, I disagree with. Right, the sky is yellow. Um, <laughs> but you know what I probably should have said was, "Would you like Chipotle or insert other restaurant that I can't think of here because we eat Chipotle a lot? I should get sponsored <laughs> by Chipotle." Um, <laughs> but then that would have been a totally different situation. So I know mm-hmm. Leslie does this new thing, this latte thing mm-hmm. where, Love latte. More, <laughs> where, you know, there's not just one option for, you know, turning away from a trigger and engaging in some type of enrichment or reinforcement opportunity, but here's a smorgasbord of different, a few different yeah. things you can try. Um, you know, there's a thing. And no matter there. what you choose, you're going to be reinforced with the same. Like, doesn't matter. You're going to get right. the same stuff. 
Right. I think that's really, it's great because there's usually multiple choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in life. Um, and as a CCUI, I think this is a really interesting thing. How do you feel like we can take the tenets of offering like multiple choices in our homes for our animals? Besides um, for like, oh, okay, I'm going to put out like multiple, what? It's an interesting question though. Like, cause that, I mean, that's, the whole thing that the whole behavior community, well, the positive reinforcement behavior community has been on the last couple of years is like choice agency. Let's give multiple choices. Let's give multiple degrees of freedom um, so that we can be sure we're not coercing our pets. Um, I want to just say though, within the, 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 the realm of safety and all of that, everyone's yes. like, Everyone's like, oh, well, you will just let your animal run into the streets. Like, no. No, anyway, but. <laughs> like a foot leash instead of a four foot leash. So that. Exactly. Right. There's, there's always. Right. So. Yeah. yeah how can we. Naturalize. <laughs> um, the environment as much as possible. Um, this is not a planned question, guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a really important aspect to look at, especially when you're talking about like dog cat relationships, because I feel like a lot of time, you know, if you leave an owner up to their own devices, they don't know about behavior and choice and blah, 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 blah. Um, They focus on the dog Mm -hmm. and like what they actively do with the dog. And like the dog has to sit, the dog has to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't look so much at the cat and like, okay, but does the cat have another option other than running through a room real quick and looking like prey? Right. Um, do they have the option to like go behind a couch or up on a shelf or, you know, out the room another way? Um, yeah. I mean, that's something I try and like, even if it's a single cat household, like, okay, but like the cat's biting the kid. Maybe we give the cat options to get away from the kid mm-hmm. that the cat can choose instead of, you know, running around looking like a fun plaything. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that I actually should do better um, with my, so I tend to recommend, you know, like cats need up spaces mm-hmm. um, because most people don't have many up spaces. That's like the, it's yeah. like the lowest hanging fruit. But it's, I could also do better saying, okay, well, what other routes on the ground um, or, you know, just different hidey holes and things like that, that don't trap the cat, but give them that space that they need. So, um, and a lot of times the cats will figure that out for themselves. Um, You know, we don't have to spoon feed them everything, but at least having that as part of the management setup in your own mind. Um, yeah. Like is, even pulling that couch away from the wall four inches. Yeah. Can make a huge difference in the cat's world. Yeah, exactly. And also like blocking off parts of the couch. So like there's a, the, the cat can get in and the the dog could theoretically get close, but can't get mm-hmm. under. Um, and also won't be staring at the cat. That's a big one. Yeah. Staring. 
Um, and then if you want extra credit, you can even go and like, okay, living room is a high tension area. Cat tends to be like the dog's nose is shreds now because the cat is just like bopping it on the nose a lot with its little knifey mittens. <laughs> Maybe instead of, you know, okay, this cat feels confronted. It feels the need to like do something to relieve that anxiety. Maybe we give it the choice of, you know, oh, but there's three scratchers in this room. Right. Scratch those, not the dog face. Um, or not the kid or, you know, my feet as you're, I'm walking past or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, even giving options to like alleviate stress. Right. I would need, change that life. I need to use the phrase knifey mittens. This, <laughs> this is the, the, the takeaway from this episode. Everyone is cats have knifey mittens. I mean, they come with our switchblades prepared. They truly do. But they don't have to be unsheathed nearly as often as many cats are forced to. Um, If we we only learned what cats need as my cat stares at me asking to go (laughs) out of the room. Perfect sense. Unfortunately, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, the AAFP has mm-hmm. those environmental guidelines on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, American Association of Feline Pr- Practitioners, who, because I know there's an AAFP that's like about family practice or something, not cats. Um, <laughs> you want the cat one. But like they have those guidelines, they call it the five pillars. Yeah. And like literally all my cat consults, I'm looking at those pillars and being like, is this one met? Is this one met? Oh, this one isn't being met. Let's do that. Yeah. And then you can have a priority list. I'll link to that in the show notes for everyone as well, um, because that's a really good resource. So I know we've covered a lot of ground. We've meandered around many different topics. Um, Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really want to get out the word for everyone? Ooh, good question. Um, I mean, I feel like this is something that's not necessarily overlooked, especially by trainers. But like, if you ever wonder about your communication with one animal, go train another one. Like, I love, I mean, that's, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, hence the two truths and why. But like, I mean, how do we become better trainers with better mechanics? you train with something else. Like when I was training chickens, it was about my timing. Like I had to really hone that because chickens are real fast. Whereas when I work with a horse, it's more about my body mechanics and where I'm placing myself and where I'm rewarding them. And, you know, so I have to be more aware of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I, I, anyone who wants to work in the behavior field, even if you want to specialize in dogs and not even touch another animal, still go train another animal because mm-hmm. it teaches you so much. Um, and you'd be surprised how much that comes in handy when you're, when you go back to your primary species. Yeah. That is an excellent point. And as someone who has to train two species, cause that's <laughs> what I've chosen to do. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then- cause it's the same with cats. Like, with dogs, we like to shove food in their mouth and they are happy to do that. Um, you try that with a cat and you might might get the mouth knives. Um, so, you know, just 
look at your cat and what they respond to. Maybe they want it to clink down in a dish or be fed on a rug or something. Um, and that's just a lot more appealing. Yeah. So everyone, you thought you had enough t- training homework to work on with your animal, your one animal that you wanted to train. Now you have to train multiple animals, multiple species. Yeah. Go out and find everyone. Go train, a, <laughs> go train a wild pigeon to go sit on someone's head or something like that. I don't know. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Okay, <laughs> next project. Okay. <laughs> So Beth is going to take that on and she's going to take a video of doing <laughs> that and the whole world will be very happy. Um, It'll be amazing. <laughs> thank you so much, Beth. This has been so wonderful. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, work with you, or just ask you questions about some of the stuff you've talked about today, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So um, you can find me at ear tailcom um, E-A-R-T-O-T-A-I-L. So no numbers. Um, <laughs> you can email me at info at eardetail.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at eardetail. Um, so really any of any or all of the above, maybe not all, I'll get confused if I get one person coming at me from five different angles, but you know, choose one. I, I love the name. It's yours, agency. <laughs> Don't sample from all of them, though. (laughs) So everyone should get to know Beth because she's fantastic. And I am really excited for you all to hear this episode. So thank you all so much for listening. And if this episode has helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps other people find the show and get access to cat and dog specific content. And there isn't that much out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Praiseworthy Pets. I would love to hear your suggestions for who I should interview next. And if your pets are not getting along and you want to improve their relationship, but you don't know how to do it, I'm opening up new course. It's almost ready in early 2022, which is now, that takes you step-by-step through the process that I use to take your pets from cranky to coexisting. So if you are interested, go to praiseworthypets.com slash course or DM me on Instagram at praiseworthypets to get on the wait list or let me know that you're interested. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Bye.